0: Check a one, two,
1: three. All right, I got a nice, fresh uh, water. Water. A nice, delicious can of tap water. Holy water. It's, I think of it as holy. It's uh, it's my God. I, <laughs> I lay myself prostrate at the feet of... Uh, what brand of water is this? Whoosh. Interesting. So today's topic is the concept of tactical gear and rifle setups that have been optimized to shooting drills particularly on a flat range and probably would not pass muster in any sort of a serious situation, but they work phenomenally well when you're running drills and you're competing against the clock. And they work really well when you are standing still at a known distance, probably very close range, because let's face it, at most ranges, you're not allowed to run around and shoot behind cover. And you're not allowed to break the 180. Some ranges you're not allowed to to draw. Some ranges you're not allowed to speed reload, right? So there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a temptation for guys to set up their gear in a way that enhances their shooting in those weirdly artificial environments.
0: Because a lot of people are in parts of the world where the range is the only thing they see. Uh, It influences their view uh, in the same way that our training influences our view of how They need to prepare for things thus, because all they've ever known is a flat range. Even if it's a very good flat range, they get a misguided view of what is required on gear or what makes gear good or what gear they should have, so on and so forth.
1: I will have a couple of examples, I guess, that I can kind of kick this off of. Uh, One, in the sense of, of just gear, is the battle belt. I spent a lot of time setting up a battle belt. I spent a lot of further time refining the battle belt, and I find myself never wanting to put it on because... The, thing, the things about the battle belt that really appealed to me, stuff like retaining empty magazines, which I, I know, Brock, you fucking hate that shit, and you're not wrong. Um, having accessible medical on the belt because I'm not wearing a, a backpack with medical, so it's like, okay, I want some medical on the belt. Having a pistol holster so I can practice transitions from primary weapon to pistol because that's really fun. How practical is it? Do I ever plan to have a pistol as a backup to my to my rifle? Probably not. And belt reloads. Belt reloads are fast as shit and they make you feel awesome when you're doing drills that involve reloads because you can reload a fucking mag from a belt so fast. You're like, oh yeah, I'm crushing this drill. I feel awesome. (laughs) This is so much fun. Is any of that gear practical? There are a lot of downsides to the battle belt. You know, the way that they conflict with warm weather or rain gear, for example. like That's fucked. The idea that battle belts are almost entirely focused around carrying and supporting a pistol. There are very few scenarios where that even makes any sense. Uh, just the mobility hit that you take from from strapping a whole bunch of stuff around your waist without proper, like, suspender support. There's a lot of reasons that a battle belt is not actually a very practical gear choice outside of maybe some very specific short-term focus, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see an argument to be made for the battle belt when the battle belt is... How do you put this? Um, a niche piece of gear that you have a very specific mission for, right? We have our SPRs, super expensive piece of kit, but we're very aware that it is not the go-to option even 10% of the times like or less. Uh, so I can see the battle belt being useful in a very niche scenario, but in the collective zeitgeist of how battle belts are portrayed, it's almost viewed as a first-line piece of kit, which, you know, that that's the whole logic. It's a first-line piece of kit. But in reality, I think that's flawed. Because, like you said, it, the battle belt is—it doesn't really offer you much when you think about it. Because uh, if you have the time to don gear, uh, the plate carrier handles everything, or the, the load bearing equipment handles everything the, the belt does, and it does it better. Right? We're not cops, so we don't really care about load distribution in the same the same way, uh, and we're not supporting a pistol as a priority. The reality is, if you're doing any kind of physical activity that isn't just walking, which you probably will be if you are a civilian with a rifle outside of home defense, uh, the battle belt is just this this gargantuan snag hazard like at a staggering level almost.
2: Yeah, uh, I got a couple of points I think are pretty good about this. Uh, lots of people see the battle belts being worn, and let's say this is uh, from some, quote, operator dudes, door kicker types. People forget that the military vehicles are spaced a lot larger from the trucks, the Humvees, everything. Like There's a lot more space for troops to be carrying that kind of stuff for a mission where you're being delivered within close range. Go do your stuff with a team, air support, everything. That's not really realistic for a civilian world. Uh, I hate stuff on the back of my battle belt. You can't get into a car comfortably. Um, I would also run a suspender set. If I ever did wear a belt for sure, like the Alice crap I got, I would also um, have a belt extender, which that just happens to have them. And I don't, do you guys know if the Cobra buckle and the modern belts have belt extenders or do they just use the Velcro strap pretty much loosen it and then, you know, retighten it down. Is that pretty much what people do? Yeah. I've never seen anybody
1: use a Cobra extender. I mean, I'm sure it would be hard to make one, but I don't think that's a popular option cuz yeah. again most battle belts are the two layer style which really is another hit against them but they're so time consuming to put on cuz you have to thread a inner belt and then attach an outer belt and it never lines up it takes a while
2: <laughs> yeah i'm never Maybe doing that. you
1: can make an argument for the war belt the thing you know the padded style of belt that you just clip over your you know over I mean, the that's top of your a great
0: trigger. range accessory but like
2: my- Well like you said earlier on uh, a lot of people don't have access to ranges where you're allowed to break the 180 and run around You guys have seen where I shoot. I can literally do whatever I want. I mean, I can set up anything. And I do do a lot of running and rolling, uh, laying on sides, prone. Yeah, belts pretty much suck. I I know for a fact I wouldn't be wearing one. And the same with your pistol. I've been conjuring up ways to possibly rig up my safari land to a chest rig just to get it off of my waist. If I go to a knee uh, around barricades, it it literally pinches circulation off of your legs. Uh, And long periods of time, if you keep loading down weight, it pinches more and more circulation off. Uh, You can't, you you know, the uh, athleticism of your legs being able to move freely, realistically, you can't do that in belts. So it's pretty irritating. And but it does look cool when you show up to the range, you know, and you're standing at a table or at your bench and doing, you know, carbine to pistol drills for sure. And it is convenient to reload off belts. It's probably the best. Um, But you're not gonna have super sexy. Yeah, you're not going to have six pistol mags, though, just reloading consistently for your pistol off of. Um, Yeah, I guess there's sort of like, there's two levels of battle belt. There is the
1: the sensible, I guess, battle belt setup. And the only plausible sort of uh, philosophy of use I can come up with for that is the idea that a battle belt could be your first line. And that's sort of like if you're in a static security or like homestead security sort of situation, and you're just going about your day wearing a battle belt. Where you have sort of a minimum level of equipment on you at all times, and you can grab a rifle to carry with you. So when you set the rifle down, you still got a pistol, two pistol mags, and medical. When you grab the rifle, now you've got a rifle, one spare mag, pistol, two mags, and medical, that kind of thing. You know, a plus or minus one or two mags here and there, depending on what you're into. That's not a realistic scenario for a lot of a lot of people. And, and you're right, like getting into a vehicle or moving around with the battle belt's really annoying, makes you want to drop stuff off your battle belt. But like okay say i'm wearing a battle belt i take the medical off the back so what now what am i wearing now i'm wearing like a really annoying pistol belt that doesn't make any sense so and yeah vehicle access with a with a big holster particularly safari lands they're big holsters and people put on qls and they get even bigger right (laughs) it really it really works great when you're standing out in the open and you don't have to move i agree so i i think there's more to it than than just a battle belt the other thing I mean, obviously there's all these like gear ideas, right? To some extent, maybe a plate carrier with hydration. That's very convenient for a day on the range. Like I've got my hydration right there on my carrier. Probably if you were going to do anything more significant than range time, you would want to have a backpack and that conflicts a bit with a hydration carrier. The hydration carrier is really a very short term solution.
0: You can get some bag types over a hydration carrier, But then generally, it's just like put the hydration carrier in the backpack. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's take the hydration bladder out of your carrier and it flattens down. So it's not like it's the end of the world to add one of those.
2: I cannot stand putting a backpack outside of a a water bladder or a, you know, a camelback. I cannot stand that. I just take the camelback off and uh, run water in a backpack. (laughs) I mean,
1: I know there are guys who put backpacks over carriers. Like I've, I've tried it. Maybe maybe I get used to it or maybe I'm just a fucking pussy, but like, I really, ah, man, if the time comes where I need to have a backpack, I don't want a plate carrier anymore. <laughs> I just think that's, it's, uh, it's I think a there's a conflict of, it's there.
0: a lot of weight. Um, and there's a reason why uh, uh, backpack mounted, like Molly gear is so popular. Like a, my plate carrier and you know, the logic is if, if I'm in a plate carrier type setup, where I'm doing these kinds of things, well, it's a very directed, very confined action, right? If I'm putting a plate carrier on and loading up a thing.
1: You know what you're about to go do.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: You have an objective in mind, you're planning something, you know why you're wearing that carrier. You're not just like, oh, put the carrier on.
0: So it's acceptable to me to not have access to the backpack in that scenario. Thus, losing the straps is kind of nice and saving a lot of weight. But that that's like a mission-specific thing. Another thing, like it's my my big thing now. Uh, I think magnification or lack thereof is like arranged theatrics thing. I think fundamentally speaking, realistically, once again, if you're using a rifle as a civilian outside of home defense and you're not, you know, Kenosha, Kyle, uh, most scenarios call for call for having magnification, right? Because the the objective or the training curriculum that we're all engaging in is rifle gunfights. And if you're in a rifle gunfight, you're either dead or you're probably beyond 50 yards or give or take. And even at 50 yards, 100 yards, magnification is pretty useful, right? It's, it's not mandatory. But then you go beyond that, which is highly likely, um, magnification becomes super important. You look at a lot of um, like accounts or survivor stories or uh, like biographies of uh, Eastern European countries or even Syria. I haven't read any specific from Syria, but I've heard, I've watched a lot of, you know, recounts of these things, and it's like the average engagement range is farther than what army studies have stated. Not to make this a magnification talk, but the reality is the ACOG had upped the the lethality of the soldier by a huge margin, right? Magnification is really useful at almost all ranges, but the reality is magnification really, really fucking sucks if you're trying to do triple taps on a paper target A-zone at 10 yards 15 yards
1: point shoot there goes brock simping for magnification again
0: yeah i don't know if i'm a point shoot kind of guy like i'll point shoot in a like a shoot house range but short outside of that
1: if your range is 25 yards you can't use magnification because you can't focus or see the target if your range is only yeah. 100 yards you don't need magnification because the targets are right there they don't move you don't move you know
0: we also shoot really big targets, right? Yeah. Even at 100 yards. Um...
1: Known distance ranges and very large targets is a very common thing on, you know,
2: sanctioned ranges. Yeah, well, me and Brock shoot uh, the small, um, like, C-zone uh, IPSC targets. I think that's what See, everybody... to shoot.
0: me, that I consider that a very large target.
2: It, like, it still is, versus yeah. your low probabilities, but I've seen ones that are even larger. I mean... They're, they're yeah, like, yeah. Most mi- people like are using full size
0: humanoids, and the, it's just like not a realistic shot. That's you're either shooting a fucking lemming or murder, right? Like,
1: <laughs> I know how much you love to murder. What the fuck? My argument against the full-size steel, uh, not even an argument. The reason I shoot small steel is because I got to go walk my steel out there. So, of course, I'm going (laughs) to use smaller steel because it's easier to get out to the range.
0: Yeah, but then you lose it, like the the steel vanishing act. He
2: doesn't lose it. He just doesn't bring it back. He's like, screw this. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. The next guy can deal with this shit.
0: All right. Anything else? Uh, like I've already simped for magnification way too much. So I don't
2: range, worry. optimize range setups. Sorry. Yeah. So you
1: say, yeah. you talk about magnification or lack thereof as being a, a real indicator of like shooting close range, shooting indoors, shooting static yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I view, I generally view, unless the person tells me this is a dedicated night vision setup, which even then I'm like, eh, but but lack of magnification really feels like someone that's hasn't left the flat range.
1: I would say that it goes even beyond that. Like the idea of C-clamping a rifle, the idea, or just the way that most people set up their rifles um, with the way that controls are set up on the front of the gun, the way that hand stops, vert grips are used. All that to me is 100% motivated by range and competition shooting. It's all based on the idea of I'm standing in the open and I'm not allowed to move. So what do I do? Well, I lean way over, I hunch way down, I get my hand way out on the rifle, I stabilize, I become a turret. So it's this idea of turret shooting. Like I can't move. So what can I do to optimize the way that I can shoot while standing here? And that leads to, I think, hand stops. It leads to C clamping. It leads to all these other things. There may be some application to that in military or law enforcement where it's sort of like, well, you gotta be good at, you know, you got you're gonna stand in the open for a long time pointing a gun at somebody or pointing a gun at the door or just standing there holding a sector, whatever. Maybe you do want to be super capable of shooting while standing in the open, pointing at something. Okay. But when you actually go shoot, you know, it was, again, something we did recently in in uh, the desert. We did not stand and shoot even a couple rounds in the desert. Aside from that time, we were trying to compare the performance of two lasers side by side, right? None of that shooting was just standing there.
0: By the very nature of surviving, yeah, you're going to be using a piece of cover. And if you have a piece of cover... You're gonna want to stabilize off of that, and I, I do have guns with hand stops and uh, like vertical foregrips, the, um, the the BCM one. But the reality is that BCM grip makes it horrendous to try to stabilize off of an object because it just bip- or monopods off of it, and it's awful.
2: Yeah, you're they that's it, it, super important. You said that if you watch any of my stuff, you'll see why I run my rail slick. There's no angle grips. There's no vert grips. I just run slick. I have. I think it's because, like you said, the the standing um, turrets people versus those who get to run around and actually shoot off every single freaking obstacle. It doesn't even matter what it is. My car, a tree. We shoot off trees all the times. I mean, I, that's why I run my stuff slick. I've had too many times where I'll go to break the shot and a stupid vert grip would just kick my rifle or it'd start to tilt and go off target. And I'm like, yep, yeah, this yeah, you off.
0: might be able to get one shot stabilized off. But if you're monopodding off of a vert grip, it's going to bump on the recoil and you're going to be fucked that's why most of my rifles are mostly slick that one rifle isn't and i can make it work but um i mean we literally have footage uh, i think hop has it in his new video coming out probably out at the point anyone sees this video um but like i just brutalize my rails when i when i shoot (laughs) because i had a
1: hand stop on one of my rifles and all I did was just drag that hand stop back and forth across a rock over and over again, trying to find the sweet spot to stabilize. Yep. And it's sort of like, yeah, that hand stop makes for a really excellent C clamp shooting position when you're standing and leaning over. But when you're actually trying to get behind something, you're like, ah, fuck. It, where do I go? Do I go in front of the hand stop? Do I go behind the hand stop? Do I go on top of the hand stop? Everything sucks.
0: It, yep. It's it's a thing of compromise. I, I wouldn't say it necessarily makes your rifle a range only thing, right? Because I still like I do a I, I probably do the do a fair bit of that type of shooting, right? Because that's all I do, and I still run a BCM grip because it's it's a it's a topic of compromise, right? Because um, up drill style shooting is important. You'll be doing a lot of that, right? If you're within a hundred yards, I'm not going to fucking bother with stabilizing. I'm just going to fucking rip the shot. Yep. Uh, and that that is C clamp style shooting. Assuming I have any of upper body strength left at that point in my life. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a compromise, right? I think Uh, on shorter rifles, it makes more sense. Uh,
2: Quick quick note for the uh, quad rail gang. Uh, Quad rails actually grip really good on multiple surfaces instead of slick M-locks, by the way. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's a tree, a rock. Uh, the are- issue
0: is uh, I can't really run quad rails out where I'm at. They 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 become useless after a certain point because you ruin the quad rail. You want to have a quad rail episode, don't you? No, quad rail.
2: Do I need to buy a quad rail to? No, I, I run M lock most of the time, honestly. But the the uh, quad, you don't even use most of those Picatinny slots anyway, so they're there for the gripping.
1: If you know what I'm saying. This will be a good episode, but I, I will say from my perspective, most quad rails, I find that they're. They're too, no, let's just save this. Let's save it. Talk
2: about this later. This is, yeah. entirely <laughs> okay. Range optimization. Um, were you going more for everything you should have at the range or how we should set up? Right no, well, how people
0: have pieces of kit that is makes sense on the range and is really nice for optimizing your ability on the range, but then in practical use.
1: It's like a, it's like a min max or like a chasing numbers thing, you know, or like chasing reload splits Ooh, or whatever. Oh, reticles, like reticles,
0: of, reticles. Uh,
1: or optic riser heights, like riser heights. If you're, if you're a turret and you can't move, you really bear down on the gun. You sink it way deep into your shoulder pocket. You're like, okay, now I want a, a taller riser so I can get a heads up shooting position. If you're ever behind something, you don't want a taller
0: riser
2: because no, it fucks everything else up. Causes all mm-hmm. kinds of problems. I agree.
0: What would you consider the most common shooting position? It's the A-frame behind an object or the, the really crunched up, crouched, almost like fetal position behind an object, right?
1: Or prone, even. Like, yeah. Look, people are prone. like, well, with my 193 riser, I can't shoot prone, but that's not a big deal. You're like, is it not? Is it not a big deal that you right, can't Right, but you know
0: prone? what I'm saying. Those are the kind of very common behind cover, and then you have the, the pie off of a piece of cover in a crouched position. As, like, a lot of those positions make um uh, i wouldn't say harder it's just not optimal
2: well we live in a day and age of the internet where we can we can review 20 years of footage in the middle east or the current conflict that's the most televised or at least video captured conflict that we've ever seen and you're gonna be like narrow it down to what positions do we see we see prone standing behind cover which would mean you're gonna prop your palm and maybe thumb rest the rifle you know yeah, you do
0: the little v-shape with your thumb e- and pointer e-
2: yeah exactly uh, or kneeling behind a cover on a knee, which you're also most likely going to be propped, or maybe taking some. Yeah, yeah. You put stuff. your
0: you put your support hand on your knee, and then you stable. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not like you said. Uh, there's been a few instances of some standing cover fire, but it's not like standing quick CQB stuff. So uh, clearing rooms, that's about it. Other than that, on a real battlefield, yeah, you're looking prone, knee, or standing propped.
0: In fairness, most people advocate the 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 crowd that fundamentally advocates the the giraffe riser mount are those that are CQB monsters, right? Their MOS yes. or not even their MOS, their 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 entire unit is dedicated to be door kickers because that's all that matters right now, right? That's their mission set. Obviously, like SEALs and Rangers and whatever, they have other mission sets, but we've done twenty years of GWAT, and a lot of what they're doing is. Just roll out and do a like a hit per night kind of thing. So they they've really optimized their setup around this this task.
1: Yes, and, and that's where the risers and the short guns and the lack of magnification and the battle belts and the hydration on a carrier with no backpack—all that <laughs> stuff—sort of comes out of the same exact mission set, right?
0: Because it well, it makes sense because when you think about it, all of these units typically have a support unit that establishes the cordon to get them in. And so they don't have to worry about like perimeter security nearly as much. Um, I got a bunch of friends that that's their MOS, right? They, they, they back up, you know, essentially pipe hitters or not even pipe hitters like uh, room clearing monsters to do these things, so they 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 have one goal and one goal only, and if shit goes hard, like they have platoon size elements as a backup. Now, I, I'm not just saying like these guys can't fight a firefight with these optics; they absolutely can. But it, the focus seems to be on that room clearing, which um,
2: and night vision, mace, and night vision for sure, oh, and
0: and night vision, sure, yeah.
2: If you think um,
1: about it, like. Let's take, for example, Operation Red Wings, because it's the subject of our favorite film of all time. There were <laughs> there were uh, two elements involved in that. There's the recon element, who are very focused around, oh God, I hate to say it, recce. And then there was the direct action element, who is very focused around a rapid assault, right? Sure. That was not a, a normal military operation, and there was nothing civilian about that. There was a, a recon element and an assault element. And those guys were all outfitted very specifically for a very specific mission.
0: Yeah, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with a riser mount, but there's nothing really great about it in what I would consider civilian shooting. I think civilians should be able to be practiced in proper room clearing SOP because I I obviously follow the, the logic train of if you have a rifle and a plate carrier, you are prepping for the end of times because that kit does not really make sense outside of that unless you live in the south and you get hurricanes all the time therefore you should plan for that scenario and in that scenario it is not unreasonable to expect you to have to clear a house out of necessity but you should not be clearing a house because you want to be clearing your house therefore your cqb actions should be fairly limited if possible i don't
2: uh i'm not going in anybody's fucking house that's for sure well, it, I think
1: I think what you're suggesting is that uh, you live in a, a semi-urban environment. You're going to be spending your time in a semi-urban environment. I mean, everyone
0: is in a semi-urban environment, statistically speaking. Yeah, and you're
1: speaking. going yeah. to need to spend the night there. And at some point, it's like, okay, where are we going to spend the night? All right, how about that house over there? Okay, do you think there's anybody in that house? We don't know. What are we going to do?
0: You got to clear it. Or, Or similarly, everyone's always like, yeah, avoid contact. How does avoiding contact work? You're going down the street, you take fire, and you decide to break contact. Where are you going? Like, you're going to go all the way down the street and then hang a left? No, you're just bailing into the next house that is right next to you. And that house needs to be cleared. Like, you can't just fucking, you know, all right, let's 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 set up for a gunfight in this house and not clear the house. The house has to be cleared.
2: Let me note that uh, what he's saying to the, the standing up range theatrics, like, you know, staying static, even the drills we do in the gun challenge. I should be getting off the X in between reloads, but I know it's for time, so I'm not going to. Yeah. So, yeah, And, and getting yeah, off the X almost you know. like
0: getting off the X during a, a skill drill doesn't even make sense because if you're just up drilling at seven yards, you're just going to drive that guy into the floor. Like getting off the X won't do anything because you're only moving like a degree um, because it's a, it's a fantastical scenario, right? It's not a real scenario. No one, no one's up drilling at seven yards and going into a reload and then continuing the drill. Like it's just not a thing.
2: Yeah, that's to Hop's point, you know, uh, the things we do on the range to look cool are are not going to play out in reality.
1: There is like, an aspect of of practicing fundamentals. Is uh, Fundamentals are never bad for you, right? Like, yeah, no, uh, no, it's a good drill. You it's practice drill. Your, your speed reloads all the time. Like, I think there's some footage of us shooting out in the desert. I feel like I nailed some really slick unplanned reloads that just looked awesome as shit. It's like, because that's what I practice all the time is reloads. So it's like, oh nice yeah Nailed it.
0: yeah it's good it, it sometimes you isolate skills and that's all the drill is about you'll get some bullshit youtube comment like get off the x it's like shut the fuck up i'm doing a drill <laughs> like, like, well, i'll get off up. the
2: x when there's an x to get off of right mainly building muscle memory and baby steps how often in a
1: real scenario do you ever stand in the open and shoot to empty and then stay in the open while you reload and continue shooting you
0: never i mean re- realistically speaking that Who knows, right? Who the fuck knows? But realistically speaking, if I had to guess, any gunfight, you're never never going to bolt lock reload. You're typically just going to end a fight with like fucking all partials, right? Because like bolt lock reload is just a weird phenomenon that doesn't happen too much. And you talk to a lot of dudes that did these kinds of gunfights in the GWAT and similar, and they're like, the amount of times I've ever done a bolt lock reload followed by a second bolt lock reload was zero. Like, it just does not happen.
1: Brass just accidentally admitted that dump pouches and retaining partial magazines is good. Ladies and gentlemen, we got it.
0: No, it goes back into your plate carrier, but you rotate it 90... Fuck. Uh, Don't put this in the episode, please.
2: I would keep my rifle mags, but I would not keep my pistol mags.
0: (laughs) I'm a big fan of setting up your gear in in a semi-realistic fashion, so I generally have backpacks on me a lot because the sensation of having weight on your shoulders is... So much different. So I train for that all the time if I'm not wearing a plate carrier because a plate carrier is a lot like a backpack. So I think a lot of setups that people run are these super slick setups that are really nice on the range for being fast, but they don't, you know, acknowledge the reality of what the kit you have to bring to the situation is like everyone understands that single point slings are fucking stupid, right? But there was a time where people didn't understand single point slings were stupid Including the U.S. Army,
2: yeah, like Magwell grip gripping, yeah. Some of that yeah, is yeah. kind of meme magic. It's
1: like, in in a sense, you have to bully people into accepting a proper opinion. And like you say with backpacks, there are a lot of people who shoot with a backpack on for the first time, and they're like, "Whoa, prone shooting with a backpack on really sucks."
0: Yeah, when the backpack goes over and fucking punches your side or, or in the, the back, back of the back. head, yeah. Either you're completely slick, in my opinion, right? You have nothing on you. You have a mag in your pocket, which is. Why train for that? It's the easiest scenario to train for. So why train for that? Why not train for a more difficult scenario? Or you have the kitted out scenario. And I'm a big fan of training for that kitted out scenario because it's such a different way of shooting. The reality is you would need a backpack as a civilian because the logistical aspect, the dehydrating to death, the shitting your brains out to uh, to death or the starving to death. We're not probably not starving, but you won't really starve, but you're so calorically deficient that you're no longer effective as a fighter. These things have just as much of a reality of taking you out of the fight as a bullet to the face.
1: So I'd say to conclude time spent on the range is almost never bad for you. And decent gear is also almost never bad for you. Like it's almost never going to be a bad thing to own decent gear, but, one thing to keep in mind is how does this gear actually suit me when I'm not chasing splits? I'm not trying to, to show how cool I am on the internet. Like what if I actually have to use this stuff? You might not really want to spend a whole lot of money on a way to carry a pistol and pistol magazines. If you don't actually intend to carry a pistol and pistol magazines in any you know serious scenario, don't have a set of gear that you intend to use for real and another set of gear that you use at the range
0: yeah, it's just wasting reps, almost, right? Yeah,
1: shooting time is good time, and owning gear is good. Try to find the middle ground between those two. You know, have the uh, have the gear that you think you want to use and use it. Shoot the drills you think make you better at, at using that gear that you own that you intend to use for serious stuff. That sounded so much better until
0: I started saying it. The discerning viewer, which is a hundred percent of the audience, that decides to give money to this glorious cause. Is probably going to be able to put two and together, two and two together, and understand what we're getting at here. I want
2: to kiss them all in the mouth. They're just so great.
1: <laughs> They're
0: just well, awesome people. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you, this topic could be elaborated on for sure, just because I feel like there's still so much we didn't even, you know, really uh, pinpoint down. There's a whole cottage industry. I mean,
1: like there are so many companies that are producing gear explicitly to make you badass as a turret, as a range turret. Yes. And I'm just going to – I'm never going to stop saying that. Like that's my new Pat Macism. Pat Mac's got all these like the go-to co- cottage phrases. Cottage industry. Does it come with sound effects?
0: Oh, isn't there that Frank Proctor video with like robot noises?
1: Like, it's going to be like a mech warrior thing. Like it's just an Atlas mech with one gimp <laughs> leg just standing there rotating its torso, just unloading LRM-20s, which is an, an incredibly niche reference that I apologize for making.
2: Well, I wonder if I should tell you guys my secret. Eventually I wanted to, uh, you know – people backing things up in reality like you said the gear the drills everything i'm eventually i'm gonna build out we have a couple different design drills that aren't your you know reload reload go these ones are gonna be like all right bring your shit and you talk so much shit that this rifle setup's the best you definitely need to do this or this slings the best i'm like cool just come run this course and just beat me come run this course and we'll see real quick how you're gonna Take this extra thing off here. You're gonna get rid of this out of your bag. You're gonna, you know, this strap is rubbing you raw. You can't get into that position, this weird spot I have set up because your belt's cutting off the circulation to your leg. You know, yeah. and uh,
1: we have the luxury of going out to shoot on expansive land or very permissive ranges, depending on which one of the three of us we're talking about. Not everybody has that, but I think you can still do the research. You can still look into it, and you can say okay, I'm only able to shoot as a range turret at 25 to 100 yards. But should I necessarily try to purchase gear and optimize my, you know, my training to suit this 25 to 100? No, I should use this experience that I'm able to get at the range as fundamentals practice.
2: Yes, fundamental. But I
1: shouldn't chase the meta here, right? Like, it's not like the end all be all is not my speed and performance at 25 yards standing in the open. I'm using this as fundamentals practice. I can still pick my gear and I can set up my rifle intelligently in a way that will be able to do more than this. Based on common sense and based on what I see other people doing who do have access to you know, nice facilities or large amounts of public land.
2: Being a range turret is for fundamentals. It does not make you a badass.
0: That was a great line to end on. Let's end on that. Or actually, yes. I don't know. Armageddon is the superior disaster movie. Done. God, not again. (laughs) Fuck.